When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Kosh, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. It's been a long time coming, boys. You and me, that's my whole world. They whisper in the hallway, she's a bad, bad girl. The whole school is rolling fake dice. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. It's you and me, there's nothing like this. Miss Americana and the whole Later this year, June 13th, 14th, and 15th, 2024, Taylor Swift will perform three shows at Anfield Stadium in Liverpool, one of many projected stops on a European leg of her heiress tour. 48 dates so far with another great Tennessee-based act, Paramore, opening the show. Anfield Stadium is massive. It's the fifth largest stadium in the UK. It's home pitch for the Liverpool football club, the Reds. Football stadiums, <laughs> for the American version of the game and what the rest of the world calls football, but Americans call soccer, football stadiums are now familiar territory to Taylor Swift. So if I stadium in Los Angeles, Soldier Field in Chicago, or Estadio Monumental in Buenos Aires, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour of the Western Hemisphere hit dozens of these massive venues and filled them up 70, 80, 90,000 at a time, night after night. The numbers are staggering, absolutely unprecedented. Even legendary touring acts like U2, the Rolling Stones, or Bruce Springsteen have achieved nothing even close. Per Forbes magazine, The North American leg of the Eras Tour last year shattered all standing concert records, something like $1.5 billion in gross revenue. Over 4 million fans saw the lavish, spectacular three-and-a-half-hour concert production. In the fall, they kept the endless summer going, heading south to rock massive stadiums full of Swifties in Mexico City, Rio de Janeiro, Sao Paulo, and more. A little more perspective. Uh, Christmas of 2023, Taylor distributed $55 million in bonuses to the band, crew, and support staff for the Eras Tour. Uh, That amount alone is more than the total proceeds for most tours. And they are far from done. As we went into production, we learned that Taylor and her team are back from their holiday break and have started rehearsals for the Asian leg of the Eras Tour. After that, Europe... And then back to North America. Can't you see that I'm the one who understands you've been here all along? So why can't you see you belong with me? Standing by and waiting at your back door all this time. Well, if you haven't guessed by now, We're, uh, well, maybe not Swifties, but we are definitely Swiftie adjacent. We think Taylor Swift is an elite talent and a class act. Our massive chart in tour success, her devoted fan base, did not happen by accident. She earned them by working hard and putting out lots of consistently good, sometimes great, music over her career, which spans almost two decades now. 
Before we get uh, to the real topic of this short, uh, since we talked some about football stadiums, let's talk about Swifties and American football fans. <laughs> that Venn diagram has some overlap now that Taylor Swift and NFL star Travis Kelsey have gone public with their romantic relationship. Sadly, uh, because some American men can't stand the sight of a happy, successful woman, there has been some backlash. But overall, it's been a good thing. A great thing, especially for the NFL. Thanks to Taylor Swift, millions of potential new fans tuned into this year's NFL playoffs. Really, unless you're a dour, misogynistic killjoy, that can't be seen as anything but a huge positive. Not that Taylor needs any help from us. She's already addressed the haters far better than we ever could. Uh, but back to Liverpool. The dock city on the River Mersey was, of course, the childhood home of the Beatles. It was 60 years ago this month, on February 7th, 1964, that the Beatles landed in America. Here's how we described it in Episode 7 of Rock and Roll Archaeology. The stakes were high and real uncertainty awaited that 707 as it taxied up to the jetway and came to a stop. The cabin door opened to bright winter sunlight. And a new era began. Jump ahead now to the very recent past when Time Magazine named Taylor Swift Person of the Year for 2023. Here's what they had to say in the write-up. This is the year that Swift achieved a kind of nuclear fusion, shooting art and commerce together to release an energy of historic force. We've said much of the same thing about the Beatles. There's a small handful of musical artists we've seen in our lifetime who cheerfully and casually burst through barriers and deftly managed to sidestep this whole question of art versus commerce. They're just really good at both. And what's more, they make it look easy. The Beatles are in that small elite group. Um, one could argue they are the founding members. Bob Dylan and Johnny Cash, Paul Simon, David Bowie is another one. Stevie Wonder and Joni Mitchell, Prince, Bruce Springsteen, um, there are others, but only a few. You get the idea. Artists who sell big without selling out, who don't pander to popular tastes. Instead, they create it and move it forward. Right here, we'll co-sign Time Magazine and add Taylor Swift to that short list. There are some interesting parallels and some notable differences between the Beatles kicking off the British invasion 60 years ago this month and Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. So, well, we decided to have some fun doing a compare and contrast exercise. It's our way of doing a little music history while also celebrating the present success of a great artist and entertainer. 
All right, quick, some announcements and housekeeping, and we'll get right into it. and commentary. It will discuss adult themes and may use coarse language. Pantheon Podcasts presents Rock and Roll Archaeology with host Christian Swain. Music, culture, technology, and rock and roll. And now, on with the show. Hey, hey, my mud diggers. It's another short while you wait for the next big show to drop. Uh, we certainly hope you all listen to episode 24, The Wonder Years. But if you haven't found it yet, uh, here's a friendly reminder not to miss this important chapter in our rock and roll archaeology course. We are working diligently on episode 25. We won't spill too much other than to say that we will be tackling the world of Prague. Shh, shh, shh. Don't tell anyone. In other news, we've been putting more effort into our socials, website, and especially Patreon. If you want to engage with us, the easiest way is to navigate with the new website, and that's rockandrollarchaeology.com. From there, you can find links to all the new stuff. If you would like to help us with a dollar or two to keep the project going, we are suggesting Patreon as the best place to do so. Just smash the support button at the top of the website, or you can go there by using patreon.com slash rnrap. Again, patreon.com slash rnrap. If you do decide to join and get a seat for the show, right away you get ad-free versions of new episodes and are immediately a part of our regular rock and roll merch giveaway. Uh, we made three tiers to start, but you get to decide how much you want to support us. Of course, Richard, Jerry, and I would be eternally grateful, uh, but if not, it's all good. Just keep on listening wherever you get your pods. But if you do, we ask for patience by supporting our advertisers like these folks here. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And we're back. Okay, let's get into this short. February 9th, 2024, will be the 60th anniversary of the Beatles' first performance on U.S. soil. If you've listened to episodes 7 and 8, called Meet the Beatles, parts 1 and 2, then you know how significant the moment was, and that that moment continues to reverberate to this day. As we said then, and still stick by it, the Beatles are the single biggest cultural phenomenon of the 20th century. Well, it has been 60 years, and while some artists have made big splashes in culture, it is more than fair to say nobody ever achieved that kind of cachet, until perhaps Taylor Swift in 2023. As we said in the opening, while it may not be exactly on par, just for the significant differences between culture in the 1960s versus the 2020s alone, there are plenty of similarities. And that's the point of this episode. So go get some popcorn, grab your family Swifties to listen in, because we are going to look at the Beatles in the 1960s and Taylor Swift in the 20-somethings. Diggers, we present to you Swifties Beyond Beatlemania. So in November of 2023, Forbes magazine, where one does find some good reporting on the business side of music, ran a short piece about Taylor Swift and about the Beatles, who still hold the all-time record with 15 number one albums on the UK charts. If you were a late 70s, early 80s kid like us, then you remember the Red Album and the Blue Album. 
Yeah, pretty good chance those two compilation albums were your introduction to the Beatles. The Red Album covered 1962 to 1966, while the Blue spanned 1967 to 1970. Together, they took the listener in mostly chronological order uh, through the different eras of the Beatles, from Love Me Do to The Long and Winding Road. They were initially released in the spring of 1973, and like every other Beatles album to that point, went right to the top of the charts and never really went away. Years after release, the Red and Blue albums were still charting. Well, 50 years on, in 2023, the Red and Blue got renewed. Apple Records re-released them with 21 additional songs, including some great deep cuts. One addition we really appreciate is Dear Prudence. They sequenced it correctly, too, putting it right after Back in the USSR, same as on the White Album. That sequence where one of Paul McCartney's best up-tempo rockers segues effortlessly into the beautiful, dreamy John Lennon masterpiece. It's one of the best album openings ever. It's been matched a few times, maybe, but never exceeded in we are fully prepared to die on that hill. Anyway, uh, upon re-release in the fall of 2023, the red went to number three and the blue to number two on the UK album charts. But 1989, Taylor's version, was in the way at number one and stubbornly refused to budge. The higher you climb, the deeper you go. Let's do that and look at some more parallels and connections. This is some fun to be had here. Both artists evolved dramatically from their early roots. Uh, most great artists do, of course. Uh, for us, a real interesting parallel is both artists released albums that show a clear pivot that retains some elements of the original style while introducing new ones. In the Beatles' case, their seventh album. We're using the U.S. release sequence here. It's the seventh Beatles album, Rubber Soul, that marks the transition. For Taylor Swift, it's her fourth release, Red, from 2012. Rubber Soul is where the Beatles decisively move off their 50s roots, Chuck and Elvis, Buddy Holly and the Everly Brothers, and became musical omnivores, uh, bringing new influences and textures into their songwriting and recording. At Pitchfork.com, Ivy Nelson wrote an on-the-money review of Taylor Swift's Red as part of a 2019 retrospective on Taylor Swift's early releases. Ms. Nelson gave Red a 9 out of 10 rating. Yeah, here's an excerpt. Looking at the albums that followed Red, it's obvious Swift longed for the inorganic, to send her songs through the distortions of modern pop and see what kind of genetically scrambled horror would come back. Swift was trying to push her music outside of its traditional boundaries, to stray into the interzone between pop and country. I'm walking fast through the traffic lights. 
So we mentioned release sequence a moment ago. The White Album was the first Beatles album released on Apple Records. Uh, prior to the White Album, the American albums on Capitol Records and the UK releases on Parlophone were different in weird, uh, often frustrating ways. We commented on that in episode 8 and 15 of Rock and Roll Archaeology. Uh, to no small extent, the anthologies and reissues from the Beatles, from the 70s on up to the present, are a corrective to those record company blunders. <laughs> the Beatles regaining control of their own narrative. Well, just a couple of years back, Taylor Swift decided to correct some record company stupidity and take back her narrative. And <laughs> we gotta say... This is absolutely one of the most badass business moves any artist has ever made. <laughs> Let's unpack it. You never give me your money. You only give me your funny paper. And in the middle of negotiations, you break We'll gloss over much of the story and just lay out the basic timeline. In 2006, a new record company called Big Machine Records, owned by Scott Borchetta, signed an unknown but very promising 16-year-old Nashville singer-songwriter, one Taylor Allison Swift. Taylor's self-titled first album was released that fall. It shot to number one on the country charts, spinning off five hit singles. Taylor wrote and recorded it while still in high school, going to class in the morning and working on the record every afternoon. She wrote or co-wrote all 11 songs. Jump ahead a little bit to the Video Music Awards fall of 2009. That was when Kanye West, who is a real talent, a nutcase, and an absolute fucking tool, all those things can be true... <laughs> Anyway, the 2009 VMAs uh, was when Yee famously grabbed the mic out of Taylor's hands. Taylor was all of 19 at the time, accepting her first VMA award for the category of Best Female Video. The song was You Belong With Me. Yo, Taylor, I I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. It was one of the most cringeworthy moments in award show history. Yep, cringeworthy is right. All kinds of social media drama ensued, and it stretched out for years. Kim Kardashian got involved at some point for reasons we don't really care about. Through it all, Taylor took the high road and maintained her dignity. And she's made it very clear in recent interviews... It was a traumatic, difficult period for her. Mostly, she just let her music do the talking. During the 2010s, Taylor Swift successfully crossed over from country to the pop and rock realms. In the process, she became the biggest recording and touring star on planet Earth. Uh, like the old uh, saying goes, <laughs> living well is the best revenge. Reputation from 2017 was Taylor Swift's sixth and final release on Big Machine. Her contract was up. She signed with the Universal Music Group in the fall of 2018. The new contract includes ownership of her master recordings. Then, in 2019, asshole Kanye West's asshole manager, Scooter Braun, bought up Big Machine Records. 
and that purchase included the master recordings of Taylor Swift's first six albums. This is where the badassery comes in, right here. Taylor was outraged. For one thing, she would have gladly paid and paid generously for the Masters. But Borchetta and Braun never gave her the opportunity. (laughs) But instead of getting mad, Taylor Swift got even. In 2021, she started redoing her back catalog and re-releasing them as Taylor's version. The new recordings are largely true to the originals, and the Swifties have snatched them up. A masterstroke of marketing, bold and decisive. Taylor has now successfully crowded out Big Machine. She's rendered their hold on her early catalog irrelevant. She took back her narrative and got even richer doing it. Bad ass move. Taylor Swift took the author, Sam Lansky, on a tour of her swanky New York apartment. Taylor owns not one, but two private jets. Her net worth is now well north of a billion dollars. But her prized possession, the thing she wanted to show off the most, is a personal note from Paul McCartney she keeps framed on the wall of her bathroom. It says, take these broken wings and learn to fly. And in the end... Only time will really tell. 50, 60 years from now, will music fans and opinion havers like us draw parallels between these two massive cultural forces? Is Taylor Swift bigger than the Beatles? We we think she will certainly be in the conversation, but the short answer is no. That answer has nothing to do with merit or achievement. It just has to do with circumstances and timing. The Beatles were very much in the exact right place at the exact right time. They were pushed along by a confluence of events and trends, uh, profound changes in music, culture, and technology that never can and never will occur again. 73 million viewers tuned in when they made their legendary debut on The Ed Sullivan Show on February 9th, 1964. At that time, the U.S. population was about 190 million, roughly half of what it is today. Uh, That's a level of audience share, of media saturation, that nobody, not even Taylor Swift cheering on her boyfriend at the Super Bowl, will ever be able to match. In 1967, the Beatles were the first musical act to appear on an international satellite broadcast, another one-off, something that can never happen again. So, no, strictly speaking, Taylor Swift won't be bigger than the Beatles. It's just not possible. All that said, though, over the last few years, Taylor Swift has done something that we haven't seen since the Beatles, and we do think it's going to hold up over time. 
the 2023 Person of the Year write-up in Time Magazine put it simply and correctly, she's the last monoculture left in our stratified world. I'm Christian Swain. This has been Rock and Roll Archaeology on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Nice to see you. Thanks for stopping by. Keep up the rocking. One day I'll watch as you're leaving Cause you got tired of my scheming Rock and Roll Archaeology is written by Richard Evans and Christian Swain. Produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Jerry Danielson at Busy Signal Studios. Find all of our shows, notes, and links at PantheonPodcast.com. All songs can be found for purchase or streaming wherever you get your great music. Please pick up these amazing tracks. Contact us on social. At Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.